We are beginning a brand new message series, a summer message series, a study in the Gospel of Luke. And I am so excited about what's going to be going on um, during, during, this, during this study. Uh, we're going to be walking through the entire Gospel over the summer. We're going to begin this week. And then next week we're going to take just we're going to take a pause and celebrate our graduates on Youth Sunday, and so we'll have Youth Sunday next Sunday. But then the following Sunday, Pastor Mark will be back, and we are going to hit Luke full speed ahead. We're going to be uh, uh, going for it all summer. So uh, my goal this morning is really twofold. One, I want to give you just a little bit of an introduction uh, to the Gospel of Luke, and then secondly, I want to motivate, coerce, twist your arm, inspire, let's go with inspire, let's go with inspire. I want to inspire you to jump in to this study of Luke with both feet, because we're going to be doing some interesting things, and I want to invite you to fully engage with what's going to be going on this summer in the Gospel of Luke. And so I want to start this uh, with an idea uh, that I think is relatively uncontroversial. And that, I, I think, is relatively straightforward and simple. And it's this. This is the idea. Nobody dreams of mediocre. Nobody, no child, when they think about their future, is dreaming of mediocre. Let me give you some examples. If you're, uh, if you're here and you're a young couple and you're looking at marriage and a life together, or if you're a couple that's been married and you remember back to those days, no young couple headed for marriage is dreaming of a mediocre marriage, right? Nobody's saying, hey, the goal for us, maybe there is somebody, I don't know. No, it's like, now nobody, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, no, nobody, nobody when, they, when they think about their future and they think about their career and the, the industry that they're headed in and the goals that they have, nobody is thinking, when I get to the end of my career and I hang it all up, I would love to look back on it and think, just okay. Right? It's like, that's nobody's dream. Right? Nobody's dreaming that. And it's similar to us in our relationship with God. Here's what I mean. If you're here this morning and you are pursuing a relationship with God, you probably don't want a mediocre one. If you're here, now, now if you're here and you're not pursuing and somebody dragged you to church or they promised you lunch or they said you'd meet somebody cute, whatever it was, uh, and you're not, we're so glad that you're here. I hope that you decide to pursue a relationship with Jesus. But for those of us who have said, yeah, you know what, I'm all into this thing. I, I'm pursuing a relationship with God. I got to think that you don't want to end up with a mediocre one. Let me spell that out a little bit more. If you're, if you're here this morning and you're thinking about you're seeking God. You have questions. You know what? I'm interested. I don't know how I feel about all this God stuff. I'm, 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 I'm interested in a relationship. I'm seeking. I'm seeking God. I would imagine that if you're seeking him, you would like to find him, right? That if you're here and you've decided that you've gone all in and you're like, you know what? I am following Jesus. If you're following Jesus, I imagine you would like to get somewhere, right? 
It's the idea, if, 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 you've, if you've invested your life, right, you've invested your life in, in church, in, in Christianity, like you're here every week, you're involved in a group, you're doing all this stuff, I imagine that you would like to feel like in your life you are making progress toward maturity. And so I wrap all that up in this statement that nobody who's pursuing a relationship with God wants a mediocre one. And yet, sometimes that happens, right? I mean, sometimes people describe their relationship with Jesus as, I mean, no one would say mediocre, but sometimes that happens. And I think that prompts a question. And the question is this, is there something that makes the difference between someone who experiences an amazing relationship with God and somebody whose relationship with God is Yeah, I'll just let you fill it in. Um, And it turns out that there is. But I'll come back to that in a minute. First, I want to tell you about my week. Because I know you all want to know. It was like, well, I wonder what Chris's week was like. I'll tell you. So I got to spend uh, a couple of days this week in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I spent two days in Nashville, Tennessee. So I I am part of a... A pastoral mentoring group. So it's me and about 15 other North, local Northern Virginia pastors. We're in this pastoral mentoring group. We're being mentored uh, by, by a guy named Tom Rainer. Now, Tom Rainer is the president and CEO of Lifeway. So you've ever seen the stores, that kind of thing? It's, it, it's that guy. I don't know how I managed to get into this group, but it's fantastic. Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. We meet every month, and, and we get to, to be with Tom, and, they, and he talks about some of the cutting-edge research that they're doing at Lifeway. It's really fascinating. It's very interesting. But part of that, that whole experience, is I got to spend two days uh, with, we got on a plane and went to Nashville, and got to spend two days at the Lifeway headquarters. Um, their brand-new facility, we got to tour the place and see all this stuff. It was really fun, but that was not the amazing part. The amazing part was the FaceTime that we got, not just with Dr. Rayner, but with all of these just high-level thinkers at Lifeway and got to hear about some of the research that they're doing. And one guy in particular that we got to sit with was a guy named Eric Geiger. And if you've been around, maybe you've been in the bookstore, you've seen some of his books or something like that. But this guy was fascinating. And he sat down, and the reason I'm telling you this is because of what I'm about to tell you next. Uh, he, he sat, we got to sit down with him, and he walked us through. He was like, hey, at Lifeway, we've been researching the topic of discipleship or spiritual growth. We've been wrestling with the question, how do people grow? Like, how does that happen? What makes the difference? And we've done exhaustive research. We've been researching this for about six years, and then they went through, here's some of the conclusions that we've come to. Here's what the research has shown. And it was fascinating. It's interesting. It was not surprising, but it was fascinating. And so one of the things that he shared with us was that study after study, after study that we've done, have pointed to that when it comes to someone growing in their faith, Bible reading, Bible engagement, studying the scriptures is the most important thing by far. And that was the part that was really interesting to me. They were like, yeah, study after study has shown this, that it's like if someone, that, that, that Bible reading makes the top of the list and there is no close second. Like, yeah, we, we were looking, I was, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, really, there's no close, there is no close second. 
Bible reading, Bible engagement, Bible study, that is, that is the single most important thing, the single most important factor their research has shown in terms of a person growing in their faith, maturing in their faith, is it, fascinating. And something else that they said that it was like, that Bible engagement, th there are other things that make a difference in a person's maturity and growth that, that all of this has shown. And, and Bible engagement impacts all of those other disciplines, so to speak, but, it is, but the reverse isn't true. So in other words, you, one, one area that they looked at was the idea of generosity, that, as we, that generosity tends to be a mark of, of maturity, and as we learn to be generous, we tend to mature. But, but growing in that area doesn't necessarily impact other areas. Like becoming more generous doesn't necessarily uh, make you more patient, so to speak, or, or, or something like that. It, do, it, it doesn't cross over and impact other things. But Bible engagement impacts everything. Like if you, if you, uh, if you become more generous, you may not become more patient. But if you engage the scriptures, you'll become more generous and you'll become more patient. That's, that, that's what they mean. It, it, it has tentacles into all of these different things. It was absolutely fascinating. I was, I was listening to this. The other thing that they said was that, um, that when it comes to spiritual growth, groups matter a lot. Like being in community matters a lot, which did my heart good because uh, I do the groups around here, and so that was very nice to hear. And so one of the questions that I asked, you know, I threw my hand up. It's like, so let me just check my, my learning here. Are you saying that if I wanted to put together like a recipe or a formula, so to speak, for someone to grow in their faith, it would be get people in groups engaging with the scriptures? And he was like, that's, absolute, that's what the research shows. That if you want to grow in your faith, you need to be in a group engaging with the scriptures. It's fascinating, fascinating research. And so um, I just thought all, I, I, that just blew me away because I, I knew we were going to talk about this today and I had been wrestling with for two weeks, gosh, how do I introduce this subject? And then I went to Nashville and I was like, okay, got it. We'll talk about that. Um, if, you're, if you're a research person, if you're a, a statistics and numbers and all that kind of thing and you're interested in more of this, they, I, after, after sitting down with Dr. Geiger, I went to uh, uh, the, there's the LifeWay Research Podcast. I think it's episode 19 where they talk a little bit more about how they did the research and what all that looked like and kind of their findings a little more. But it was absolutely fascinating. Again, it's not surprising. I mean, if you've been a student of the scriptures, in one sense, you don't need a research study to tell you that the scriptures are important. The scriptures say that about themselves, right? They, the scriptures claim that about itself, right? Your word is a lamp under my feet and a light to my path, I've hidden my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. I mean, this is not, this is not new information, but for me, it was so encouraging um, to see the research kind of bear out what Scripture says about itself. And so, so where that leads us is I, as we move into this study of Luke, I want to invite us to jump in. And I'm saying it like this. This is, this is my little phrase for this morning that we're going to come back to over and over again. So it's like this. For all of us, you should, we should, we should study the scriptures. Let's start with Luke. And let's set sail together. We're going to do this together. I almost said do this together, but that didn't start with the letter S. So we're at set sail or set off or something like that. So we're going to do it together. But that's the thing. We want to study the scriptures. We're going to start with Luke and we're going to set off together. And so the way that I want to begin to lay this out is I want to look at two different places in the Gospel of Luke. Something 
at the very end and something at the very beginning. Because I want to go after the question when we talk about that you should study the scriptures. Uh, scripture, the, the, the scriptures seem to say that about themselves, that it makes a difference. And, and the research seems to bear that out. But I think it lends to another question is why? Why are the scriptures so important? Why is it that, that studying or engaging the scriptures makes it to the top of the list over and over and over again and there is just no close second? Why is that? And we're going to explore that by looking at something that happened at the end of the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your New Testaments, if you want to open them up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And we're going to look at something I think really interesting that happened. So if you have a seatback Bible, that is page 1125. Thank you. Um, so... So we're going to read an account called uh, the, the Road to Emmaus. And what's going on here is uh, Jesus was crucified on Friday. And on Sunday, a group of his followers were leaving town. Because what in the world would we have to stick around for? Uh, it's, it's all over. Jesus, Jesus is dead. Jesus wasn't who he claimed he, he was. He, we, th we thought he was the, the long-awaited Messiah. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. But you can't kill the resurrection and the life. So this thing is over. There was no dream to keep alive, no movement to keep moving. It was done, and so they're leaving town. And something happens. Jesus shows up, and Jesus gives them a gift. And that gift is what we're going to talk about, and that's what's going to help kind of answer this question. So let's read Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. It says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing them. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is right there with them, and they just, they had no idea. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleophas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? Jesus is hilarious. <laughs> and they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers condemned him to be, or delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these, thing hap since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And, and, and right here, this is so important. In verse 27, Jesus is going to give them this gift. Look at, what he, look at what he does. Verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
the gift that Jesus gave them is he opened the scriptures to them and he showed them how all of it points to him. How the scriptures find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. They're about him, they're for him, and he is central in them. All of it. It all points to Jesus. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village. They drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. Again, Jesus is hilarious. If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, I'd beg to differ. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And then look at what they said. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. Then they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Jesus gives, Jesus gives these followers a gift that teaches us something about our relationship to the scriptures and why they make the top of the list over and over and over again. And it's this. The scriptures point to Jesus. The scriptures are centered on Jesus. And you should study the scriptures, not because when you open the pages of the Bible, you'll find truth, absolute truth, and things of that nature, although you will. You should study the scriptures, not because as you read the scriptures, you will find wisdom for living and how to make good choices and how to have healthy relationships, although you'll find all of those things. It's in there. You should study the scriptures, not because as you, as you read it and study it, you will find help and hope and comfort when life is difficult and when life is hard, although it's there. But you should study the scriptures because as you open the pages of God's word, you come face to face with the risen Christ. Because as you, as you study the scriptures, you come face to face with the risen Jesus. And that is what changes us. That's what transforms us. That's what makes the difference. As we come face to face with the living word in the written word, that's clever, we're changed. You should study the scriptures because in them you encounter Jesus. And Jesus makes the difference. So you should study the scriptures. You should start with Luke. You should set off together. Let's talk about why we're going to start with Luke. Luke is a fascinating um, gospel. And so to do that, uh, let's look at how Luke introduces his gospel. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1 and see what he has to say. He gives his own introduction to the gospel. Luke chapter 1, that is page, I'm almost there. That is page 1087 in your seatback Bibles. And I don't know where it is in any other Bible. Um, so listen to what, listen to how Luke introduces this work. 
He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were, oh, excuse me, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good also to me, having followed all things closely for some time, for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. In verse 1 he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. In other words, I'm not the only one doing this. There are others out there who are piecing together, who are putting together the story of Jesus in narrative form. But it seemed good to me to do the same. And we're so glad that he did. Because Luke lays out a little bit of, um, of, of why he was such a good candidate to put this gospel together. Luke was a brilliant scholar, and Luke was a historian's dream. Because what Luke did is, and he needed money for this. This is why, this is why they talk about this person, Theophilus, in there, was probably a patron, uh, kind of a wealthy, a wealthy patron who financed the whole operation. And so Luke visited the places where it happened, Luke talked to the eyewitnesses, he interviewed them, he piled together the evidence, and he put together a detailed account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And you'll notice it as you go through and read that it's like you'll look at some, some, some instances going on in Luke and you'll compare it to other gospels and you get so much more detail. They both tell the same story, but Luke just goes into so much more detail. It is fascinating. Luke, if you're interested in the life of Jesus, if you're interested in learning about Jesus, connecting with Jesus, Luke is a fantastic place to start. And then Luke says why he went through all that effort. He was like, I put together, I meticulously put this together, I traveled where I needed to travel, talked to who I need to talk to, got the story straight, and put this thing together so that, he gives his so that statement in verse 4, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. That was Luke's goal. He's like, you know, there's a lot of things going around about Jesus. I want to get the story straight so that you, the reader, can have confidence, certainty in what you've learned about Jesus. And he just did a great job, as we're going to see as we go through, as we go through it uh, this summer. The Gospel of Luke, if you're interested in learning about Jesus, connecting with Jesus, get, getting a picture of who he was and what he was about, the Gospel of Luke is a phenomenally good place to start. And so you should study the scriptures. You should start with Luke. And you should set off together. And I'm so excited that we are going to be doing this together over the summer as a, as a, as a church we have tried to do everything that we can to set us up collectively for a win as we go through the Gospel of Luke this summer. And so I want to mention three ways that you can jump into this study and really get the most out of it. First is, is Pastor Mark is going to be preaching through Luke all summer. So step one, just show up here on Sunday mornings. Uh, I think the times are on the sign out on the corner. You can figure out when, that was a joke. Start at 1030. You're here, so you know what time. It's fine. Uh, so just be here on Sunday mornings, and we're going to die. Pastor Mark's going to walk us through the Gospel of Luke. It's going to be fantastic. Number two, we've put together a reading slash journaling plan to take you through the Gospel of Luke 
personally on your own during the week. And so what we've done is we've taken the Gospel of Luke and we've divided it up into bite-sized reading chunks so that there's about, I mean, it's not exactly the same every week, but I would say certainly no more than 10 minutes of reading, but probably closer to five minutes of reading a day. Uh, where you just, you know, you open up to where you are and you just kind of read, this is what we're reading today in the Gospel of Luke. And then we put together a journaling plan. And I struggled with what to call this. I either was going to call it a Bible study plan or a journaling plan, and both names carry a little baggage with it. This is what I mean. I thought if I called it a Bible study plan, I didn't want people to get the impression that it was going to be like, oh, i got to learn some Greek, some language, and it's going to be like an hour of filling out pamphlets and doing all this difficult stuff. And it's not, that, that's not what we're talking about. And with journaling, I thought, oh, maybe it carries the baggage of the idea of, dear diary, today I went to, you know, and it's, it's none of those things. Here's what the journaling plan is. It's three questions. And it's the same three questions. By the end of the summer, you'll have them memorized. It's three questions designed to help you reflect on what you're reading. That's it. Three questions, the same questions, to help you reflect on what you've read that day. So about five, and I, and, and, and I gotta tell you, so, and I've been, I've been journaling through the Gospel of Luke uh, to kind of test out the questions and make sure that it's all good. It, it, it's about, it, about five, 10 minutes. So oh, total, I mean, maybe 15 minutes a day, um, reading and reflecting on, on what you've read. And, and if the research is true, If you jump into this, it's going to make a difference. So we want to invite you. So that, that's the second component, this reading, journaling sort of thing. We want to invite everybody. The beauty about this is it is portable. So you can take it on vacation. Uh, we're going to make the reading plans available on the website. We're going to make them available in the foyer. They're going to be in the Knollwood News every week along with the questions. But honestly, about a week or two into the questions, you'll have them memorized and you won't even need the, the little sheet. But the idea is you can take them with you and do it wherever you are this summer and stay connected with what's going on. The third way that we've tried to set everyone up for a win is we're going to offer a Wednesday night study that is going to be out of this world. And here's what I mean. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity. We're going to come together on Wednesday nights. And we'll have a time where, where you can interact with what you're learning in the text. Hey, so as you've been journaling this week, what have you learned? What are you noticing? What are you seeing? And you can talk about that. There will be kind of a, a bit of a teaching time, like, hey, here's something we want to take a deeper look at in, in this week's reading. And then, and this is the best part, there will be an extended time of Q&A. So if you like the Q&A that we normally do here on Sunday mornings, you will love Wednesday night. Because it's an opportunity to say, you know, I was reading this this week, what in the world was Jesus talking about? Who are these folks? Why would Jesus do this? This seems out of character for him. I don't understand. And we will dive deep. And we'll wrestle it to the ground and we'll talk about it best we can on Wednesday nights. It's going to be fantastic. So those are our three ways. We're gonna, Mark's going to preach through it on Sunday morning. We've got a personal reading slash journaling plan. And we're going to offer this Wednesday night. Thing. Oh, and the other thing with Wednesday night is moms and dads, man, 
Demary and I know what it's like to try to get a group of children out of the house or to get something moving on a weeknight. It is just a bear. And so we want to try to help with that. And so the way that we're going to try to help is we're going to offer uh, vouchers to help offset the cost of childcare on Wednesday nights because we want everybody to be able to participate. So just come on a Wednesday night and you say, hey, I need a childcare voucher. And we'll, uh, I say voucher, but I think it will end up just being cash or something. But it'll be, you know, here to help offset, to help off, to, to help offset at least some of the cost of the childcare because we, we, we want to make it available for everybody to come out and be a part of it. It's going to be worthwhile. It's going to be good. So this summer, we want you to study the scriptures. We're going to start with Luke and we're going to set off together. And it's going to be worth it. As we close... I want to ask you to do something, and this is risky. It's not risky for you, it's risky for me. Um, I want to ask you to do something, and the reason it's risky is because nobody likes to be told what to do. It's like, you can't tell me nothing. So I want, to ask you to, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to pull out your cell phone. I know if it's in your bag or you got it in your jacket, come on, you can do it. I know, I know, I know. nobody tells me what to do. I just, would you please, would you just pull it out? It's fine. Pull it out, open it up, and open up the, uh, the messaging app. Whatever you use, iMessage or Messages, or I don't know what they do on Android. But, or, um, or, or if you didn't bring your phone into church because you're a good Christian, um, well, you're, you, I mean, my phone is sitting right there, so you're way better than me. Um, but would you, uh, would, you, would you do this when you get to your car? I would like to challenge us. I'd like to challenge us to decide. Here's the thing. When you get out to the parking lot, you can think of 20 reasons not to jump into this study. Oh, I got this going on, and we're traveling, and da-da-da, and it's another thing, and da-da-da. But I, if the research is true, this could make all the difference in the world. So I would like to challenge you, would you be willing to just decide now to jump in to what we're doing this summer? That's my number on the screen. And if you're going to jump in, would you text me? I'm in. I know. Nobody like, oh my God, you know. Just, te- just, I know, I know. And listen, and here's the thing. Let me just tell you this. Your name's not going on a list. This is not one of those things where you sign up for the text thing and then they start texting you things. I mean, some of y'all, your number's not even in my phone, so it's like some random person texted me, I'm in, you know, whatever it is kind of a deal. You know, so it's, there's nothing going on. The reason I'm asking you to do this, honestly, is so that you can have a moment of just being willing to put a stake in the ground and saying, you know what, there are a hundred reasons for me not to do this. But I'm just going to jump in. What if, uh, this is really what I'm asking, would you be willing to pursue Jesus, for some of you, this summer in a way that perhaps you never have before? Would you be willing to pursue Jesus? For some of you, perhaps in a way that you've never pursued him before. It might be that at the end of this, you've experienced Jesus. You've connected with Jesus in a way that you never have before. It's possible. But you've got to jump in. We're going to study the scriptures. We're going to start with Luke. We're going to set off together. Don't forget to text me. Let's pray. God, you're so good.
Thank you for your word, which is true, which gives life, which in it we connect with you, connect with the risen Son of God. I pray for each one of us that we would be willing to take the step to just jump in, just go for it, just give it a shot. Um, We are experts at talking ourselves out of doing things, Lord. But would you protect us from doing that this time? Help us to jump in with both feet, maybe in a way that we never have before. And I pray for each one of us that we would encounter you this summer in a way that we never have before. Change our lives because of who you are, because of your word. Thanks, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.